Welcome to the Mission Driven Mom podcast. This podcast is for moms just like you who want to learn how to glorify God through finding and embracing true principles, discovering and developing your greatest gifts, and using them to serve your family and community. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Audrey Rinlisbacher, author of The Mission Driven Life and founder of The Mission Driven Mom. So grateful that you've joined us for our podcast today. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please share them out. Give us a review, share it on social media. That will help us to grow. Uh, We really appreciate that. I want to mention really quickly before I get into um, something really interesting we get to talk about today around principles that we have our MDM celebration event coming up this October in Provo, Utah. It's at the beautiful Provo Library um, Ballroom. And we already have uh, a good number of women signed up and we're super excited to see the rest of you there. We're gonna have an incredible time with the community and the relationships we're gonna be able to grow. We're gonna focus in on the concept of discernment and become better mothers of discernment. We're gonna do activities and have some lectures and do some breakout sessions and some workshops dinner, uh, a really nice dinner is provided. And then we're going to have the awards ceremony in the evening. You can bring your friends and family and even your kids and watch these incredible women receive their certificate for their hard work in the academy. And you'll even be able to hear from some of the moms that have been in the academy. So please join us at this event. Please invite your friends, share it out uh, with everyone that you know, so we can get as many people there as possible and have just a dynamic experience. Of course, right now it's on sale. Normally it's $79. Right now you can get it 30% off for just 54, including dinner. So it's a really, really great deal. And uh, we're, we're getting ready, putting all the pieces together. We're super excited. So please join us. You can find that at the missiondrivenmom.com website under, under uh, MDM celebration event. So I've got two kids living at home right now that are doing MDM this year. My youngest isn't quite ready for it, so we're going to do it a little bit later with her. But these two kids are using this school year to go through level one. And we just got started. Uh, We just got settled in here in, in Dallas, and they're just finished up the introductory material and working on cycle one self care. So we're having this discussion the other night about the introductory material and talking about, you know, some of that content talks about the true definition of love and different aspects of, of loving yourself and your neighbor and what that means. And so we have that discussion and then I say to them, okay, well, another thing that they read, we're, we're getting our minds around just a tiny, tiny bit, just touching on the idea of principles because in, in level one, we provide the principles for you and you find them in the readings. And then on level two, you become stellar at finding the principles for yourself. So I, you know, they need to understand just the basic concepts of principles. And, and of course it's part of our family conversation. So my kids really get it. So the reason I say that is because we read some of, um, seven habits where it talks about natural law and principles. So that is one of the readings that they did in addition to the, the videos and things. So I say to them, okay, well, we've gone over this other stuff. Is there anything from Covey that really stood out to you? And my daughter turned to this section 
and she said, she read this part to us. People are intrigued when they see good things happening in the lives of individuals, families, and organizations that are based on solid principles. They admire such personal strength and maturity, such family unity and teamwork, such adaptive synergistic organizational culture. And their immediate request is very revealing of their basic paradigm. How do you do it? Teach me the techniques. What they're really saying is, give me some quick fix advice or solution that will relieve the pain of my own situation. And what my daughter said, she's just about to, uh, ready to be 17, was she said, you know, I do this. I, I see this in myself that um, when I'm in pain and something in my life doesn't seem like it's working and I'm frustrated, I often, I don't see, I don't think of it this way, but I want a quick fix. And, and then she said something so insightful. She said, but I've, I've learned that those quick fixes usually make things worse. And, and I, you know, usually when we talk about quick fixes and things like that, we talk about, well, you know, they don't work. They're not a long-term solution. We might get some results in the short term. And that is true. Sometimes we do see, you know, good results or things improve temporarily. But then she said, but it actually makes things worse. So I've been thinking a lot about that. And we talked about it that evening. And, and I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, you know, like with health stuff, I'm still struggling to live health principles. And I, you know, have tried this and that. And when I go really extreme and do a quick fix, I end up making things worse. And I said, well, what do you mean you make things worse? And it was so fascinating because she's like, well, you know, it changes the way she thinks about herself. It doesn't put her in a healthy frame of frame of reference towards her own health. It actually distorts the way she thinks about food or exercise or whatever it is. And so in, in the end, it actually makes things worse because she didn't just latch on to the principles and really try to build habits around principles. She wanted, you know, somebody told her about this certain thing that would work and and she could discipline herself for a time to do something. And then in the end, then she wouldn't do it. And so then she would be looking back on a situation where she made promises to herself she couldn't keep because the quick fix is often too extreme because it can only be done for a short period of time. It's not sustainable. And then she would end up feeling worse about herself. And it reminded me of a, oh, I saw this. It was like an interview with these people a while ago. And it was about people in our country who are obese and want to lose weight, maybe really overweight, maybe not even necessarily as much overweight, but the, they want to do the gastrointestinal, uh, or I'm not sure what it's called, but they, they want to do the surgery where they, they shrink your stomach. I can't remember what it's called. And, um, it's really expensive in the United States and, and it's, unless you can prove to a doctor that you're health is like that your weight is really threatening your life, you usually can't get insurance to pay for it. And so what they found is these other countries like Mexico, for example, a lot of people go there and it's a lot less expensive. So they, you know, hop the country and go down there to get this major invasive surgery. And there's just not the quality of medical care. And I don't know if that's indicative of Mexico where it's just because it is cheap. And so there's, you know, doctors that aren't as good doing it, 
But there's all these horror stories about people whose lives are threatened. Every once in a while, someone actually does die or they come back and there's long-term complications and it messes up some of their internal stuff or their, or their, um, system, you know, their other organs and things. And so it just reminded me of that because that's a great example of a quick fix that really makes things worse. And even if you have that surgery, you can have all the weight back on in five years if you don't live certain health principles because you'll just stretch your stomach back out, right? But then you have the embarrassment of having done the surgery and lost the weight and told everybody how good you were going to look and being thin and then putting the weight back on and just proving to yourself and to other people that you really didn't have the discipline to maintain it. So there's just all these complications that happen when you, when you try to engage in these quick fixes. So that was a really fascinating insight. So she's talking about all this and, and I'm having I'm having kind of some new insights around principles and these ideas are kind of, kind of think, you know, growing in the back of my mind. And so in the meantime, my son who's 12 said, well, I really liked this part. So then he turns to this section at the, at the very beginning of seven habits. And it's when, if you spend any time in it, you probably remember, but Stephen Covey tells the story of his son who basically is really socially backwards he's not doing well in school. He's not doing well in sports. He's behind everybody. It's kind of an embarrassment to him. It's an embarrassment to his parents. And, um, and, and Covey and his wife don't really know what to do about it. And then Covey goes on to talk about how he's studying, um, more ancient readings and he, recognizes, begins to recognize this shift in the mid 1900s in the way success literature is written. And it moves from a character ethic to a personality ethic. And so there's the focus is on these quick fixes and that I want, I want this thing now, you know, there's all these, whatever it is, you know, fix your marriage in a weekend or go on this massive diet or, you know, um, do this multi-level and your finances will be, you know, you'll be super successful by next year, just all these quick fixes. And that's not to say those aren't valid things, but of course, unless they're principle centered and unless you're really embracing principles and living them over a long period of time, of course, you're not going to see long-term results. So anyway, he's, he's, he's starting to understand this character versus personality ethic and this, this quick fix mentality versus the teach me the truth mentality, right? And so he and his wife, you know, spend a lot of time talking and reflecting and they come to accept and to see that they had character flaws and that their motives in dealing with their son were wrong. He says, I realized that Sandra and I had been getting social mileage out of our children's good behavior. And in our eyes, this son simply didn't measure up. Our image of ourselves and our role as good, caring parents was even deeper than our image of our son and perhaps influenced and so uh, influenced it. So what they realized was that he wasn't doing what they wanted him to do so they would look good and they could be, they could kind of stroke their own egos about what amazing parents they were and they weren't seeing him for who he was and letting him grow at his own pace. And so actually they were really 
kind of creating the problem. And then he goes on to say something really fantastic. Um, We knew that social comparison motives were out of harmony with our deeper values and could lead to conditional love and eventually to our son's lessened sense of self-worth. So we determined to focus our efforts on us, not on our techniques, but on our deepest motives and our perception of him. And and I, I bring this up because what was fascinating was my son said, well, I loved that story about Covey when they said that they just prayed really hard and they were able to fix things with their son. And of course, he's, 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 he's 12. And I love that this story stood out to him. And I love that he saw that they were God-fearing people that, that, that turned to God in times of trouble. But we flipped back a page before the, because it's after they said that, that they said through deep thought and the exercise of faith and prayer, we began to see our son in terms of his own uniqueness. And I said, let's talk about the work they did before the faith and prayer and the work they continued to do after the faith and prayer, because the faith and prayer are definitely a key important component. But what they did was face the truth. What they did was have the courage to see their own flaws and to see where their motives were wrong and their perceptions were wrong and they were contributing to the problem and they needed to get busy working on their own character and they started with themselves. This is something that my husband learned over and over again. He has a marriage and family therapy degree and right now he's not working with couples for various reasons, but one of the major reasons is because Marriage therapy has the lowest success rate of any type of therapy out there. And a major reason for that is that instead of working with one individual on themselves who knows that they have a problem and has come to therapy for help and is often ready to make some changes and to look more honestly because they feel their life is somewhat broken, you have two people who think that their relationship is the other person's fault. And you can't ever focus in on one or the other of them. He tried very hard to do that and to be very fair, but it's too tempting and easy to blame and shame the other person instead of taking full responsibility for yourself. And he just built a program that has um, helped us fashion what, what goes on in MDM. And it's really about starting with yourself exactly like the Cubbies did, recognizing that I have pain in my life because of something I've done, because of my incongruence with true principles. And I've got to face the truth about who I am and how I'm seeing the situation and how I'm behaving in the situation and how I'm out of line with principles that could come to my aid. And so we deconstructed that and he began, my son began to see, oh, they had to reconnect to deep values And they had to see the principles that flow from those values and begin to get, he goes on to talk about this character personality ethic and then this natural law and these principles and how only principles can can really solve our problems. And of course, they changed their way of being. They changed the internal language they used with themselves. They reaffirmed what was most important to them. They saw the truth about themselves and they changed themselves and they asked God for his help and this son really blossomed. So it's, it was just incredible to have this conversation with my, with my two youth about things that stood out to them in this reading. 
And so we're talking about all these things and I'm, you know, I'm listening to my daughter talk about the quick fixes and, and we're talking about the coveys and facing the truth and changing themselves first in order to help their son because their deepest value, you know, was their family, not their, you know, not the public perception of them, which is really, um, admirable. And I, and I start thinking about these principles that we teach at the Mission Driven Mom, especially in level one, and, and thinking about, you know, self-care and self-management and all those kinds of things. And, and I realize, maybe for the first time, really deeply internally realized, principles kind of stink. Like, they aren't quick fixes, and they don't solve problems quickly. And I'm just sitting there listening to my daughter, and, and I start running, I start running through my mind, like, okay, what are the principles she needs to live? And then what are the financial ones? And then, and then what are the marriage ones, you know, that, that, that we, that we teach and all that kind of stuff. Uh, my husband and I taught and, and I'm thinking, <laughs> I just kind of realize they're almost always this things that we don't want to do. They're, they're the opposite of the quick fix. They're the be patient and discipline yourself and hold back. You know, they're the go exercise regularly. They're go without so much sugar. They're, um, you know, stay away from, from alcohol and other things that do damage and slow down your metabolism. And, and they're things like save 10% and budget your money. I mean, they almost always sound painful. You know, they almost always sound like Oh, I just don't want that to be the answer. I just don't want to do that. It just stinks. And and so my daughter is, you know, she's kind of reaffirming part of our family culture and she understands what the principles are and she kind of knows intellectually what she needs to do, but struggles to stick with it, you know? And and it's hard and how do I, you know, just how do I just do it? And she's looking at her past. I'm I'm looking at a lot of situations like Here's a great example. So my husband was in real estate for a long time. I mean, like most of our marriage, really. And he's very teachable and he loves to learn and he, you know, is very driven and he likes to be the best at what he does. And so he would go to these real estate training, like seminars and things. And a couple different times he hired a coach and all this stuff. And, you know, he would go in early. He would work really hard. He would make his calls and all the things. And yet he was always kind of starting over and he wasn't really having long-term success. And we would go through bouts of, you know, lots of closings and then dry spells. And it was really stressful to live that way, completely commission-based. And, you know, our value system was such that I really wanted to be home with the kids and he wanted me to be home with the kids and, and do our best by them. And so I didn't go work to subsidize. And so we just tried to make it work and it was really stressful. There's a lot of stories in our past about financial stress. And, you know, one of the things that went on in all of that was that these trainers would say to him, you know, the way to have long-term success is to have a center of influence. So this is how you need to do it. You know, you need to pick an area and you need to own it. And you need to, for two to three years, farm that area. So you meet all the people in it. You send them postcards regularly. You give them newsletters, valuable information about the market. Maybe you give them a gift every year. You have a neighborhood party. You just 
become the go-to realtor for a certain area. And then everybody thinks of you when they need real estate help and you're their go-to guy, just like their dentist or their doctor or whatever it is. And it really builds a solid real estate foundation. <clears throat> but that was hard and it kind of stunk and there was no immediate reward. You know, he could call back in the day he had for sale by owner lists and, you know, people still had landlines and things back then. And, and he could, you know, or even their cell phone, he could call and he could go see a home and he could list it within a, a few days in many cases. Right. And, and so there was this quick fix. There was this immediate gratification that he could get a home and he could close it. And, and so that always took precedent because we were always in crisis and we needed, you know, not always, but lots of times we were in crisis and we wanted a sale and blah, blah, blah. And so that, that center of influence always took a back seat. It took a back seat for another important reason, which is, which is the other part of resolving this problem of principles kind of stinking, which, um, which I, I, I want to get into now. So, so if we, if we understand, if we have this framework, and if you've not listened to the three-part series on natural law and principles, um, intro to principles series, please go back to those podcasts and listen to those to have a better frame of reference about what, what this is about. But, you know, um, we, we know that there's true principles. We know we've got to live them to have long-term results, peace of mind, um, the fruits of, of our labors. And um, we know that they kind of stink. And the truth is that most of the time for most of us, we are not going to be able to live those principles on sheer willpower, right? Like this is my daughter with health. This is my husband and his career. This is, you know, this is me with my social needs that I wouldn't, you know, for many years, I'm pretty introverted. And so it was hard for me to put energy into relationships and, and I would struggle and I would be lonely. So it's hard to to live those principles with sheer willpower. So what do we do instead? I, um, I was thinking about this quote by Alexander Solzhenitsyn that goes along with this principles kind of stink. Um, I'll give you just a little bit of background on this quote. So you have some reference point. He was Russian. He was a commander in the, in world war II Russian army. And he did some things he wasn't proud of in that army. And he came to see that there were problems with Stalin's leadership and that something was wrong in the communist party. And so he wrote, um, some kind of negative things about Stalin in a private letter to a friend that was found out. I don't know how. And he was sent into what called the, the, the gulags, the labor camps, the Russian labor camps he was sentenced to eight years and then he was internally exiled for another two. So because he said some negative things about Stalin in, in a few private letters, he lost 10 years of his life. Now he's the author of the Gulag Archipelago, if you've ever heard of that. And he's got some incredible writings that, that are very worth getting into. We could perhaps talk about him another time, but he won the Nobel prize in literature in 1970 for some very key writings that he wrote against communism uh, one especially called One Day in the Life of Ivan uh, Denisenovich. And so he ended up being exiled from Russia and he came to America. And in 1978, he, went, he was asked to speak at Harvard. Now, Harvard expected him to come and praise 
capitalism and America and the free West and all of that kind of stuff because he was from this communist country and he lived in these gulags and he wrote against communism and all this kind of thing. And (laughs) he didn't do that. He went to Harvard and he started out his speech by saying, truth seldom is sweet. It is almost invariably bitter because we hear about these principles, we hear about the truth, and we want to defend ourselves and we want to prove why we don't need to live that truth and why that's not really true about us. And so that bitterness is, that's a bitter pill, you know, it's hard to swallow and be humble enough to change ourselves. And so then he proceeded to give a speech to this massive, he said there were probably 20,000 people there, uh, gave this speech about the problems with America and the ways in which they were lose, they had lost their faith, which meant a loss of courage, how they were too focused on the letter of the law. And, um, and then he said, a sense of responsibility before God and society has fallen away. And the reason I say that is because Alexander Solzhenitsyn paid a huge price to understand true governmental and economic principles. He gave 10 years of his life. And then he risked his life every day for years to write privately and to hide the documents from the communist regime so that he wouldn't be found out. And other people were also punished for sneaking some of his writings out and for hiding them in their homes because he was telling the truth about what was happening. He was risking himself for the truth. And and that brings us to how is it that we can stay committed to the truth. If we know that it's bitter, if we know that principles stink, if we know that we can't live them through sheer willpower, uh, we can, but it's super hard. If we know that they're hard and inflexible, and as Cecil B. DeMille said, that we cannot break the law, we can only break ourselves against the law. So we know that the only long-term solution is through the truth. Um, I had, there's a great Coolidge quote about that. We know that the only road to freedom lies through a knowledge of the truth. So we can only be free and happy and peaceful and solve problems permanently through that path of truth and principles. That's so hard. And how do we do that? And that was the other big light that went on for me kind of in connection with what we're doing at the mission driven mom, because we're watching miracles happen, honestly. And I, I'm not, I'm just telling you that because it's, it's not about any of the board members. It's about the truth. You know, women have come back and said they've lost, you know, I mean, lots, 60, 70 pounds or more. They, they have healed their marriage. Their parenting is so much better. They're finding life purpose, um, you know, in addition to better, better um, quality home life, less contention in their home. Uh, a greater love of themselves, a closeness to God. I mean, we're just watching these incredible things happen through this academy because they're embracing the principles. And so if they're so hard to live, you know, we're asking ourselves, what, what is working here that's causing them to live those principles? And it's this higher purpose. You are not going to live principles consistently unless you have a higher purpose for doing so, something beyond those principles. You're really going to struggle if you try to live the principles just for the principles sake. You have to live the principles because there's something else bigger than that that's more important than that. So in the case of Covey, they're watching their son kind of fall apart 
and really, really struggle. And they realize that the comparing that they're doing and the way that they're talking to him, the way that they're babying him and communicating to him, you can't do it. You're not good enough. Let us babysit you. Let us do it for you was crippling him. They needed to stand back, let him face the problems himself and continue to affirm him and see him more honestly. And it was the deeper values, their deep purpose of building a really incredible family where there was complete love and acceptance in their home was higher value and a higher purpose than how they looked to other people. And so they were willing to let him look, quote, look bad and look kind of like a failure for as long as he needed to until he figured it out himself. For Alexander Shultzenitsyn, you know, he was willing to risk himself for the truth that communism was taking millions and millions of lives, that it was a broken, broken system, that governmental principles and and natural rights and economic principles were being completely ignored and trampled on there. And the truth needed to, to be illuminated. When he came to America, you know, he was like, I could have just said all kinds of horrible things about communism, but I'd already written plenty of books on that. I'd already said all that. And since I'd lived in America long enough, I could see where she was going to repeat the problems of the Russians. He, she was going to fall into, uh, and, and, and those kinds of things were going to be eventually able to happen in America if there was still this complete lack of faith and lack of courage and focus on the letter of the law instead of the spirit of the law and movement away from truth and principles. And so he said, I'm going to tell you the truth. And the truth is almost always bitter. And I do it as a friend because I want America to be great again. And, and he had this higher purpose driving him to learn those principles and to write about them and to risk himself for the truth. And so, um, you know, there's this, there's this Alfred North Whitehead quote that I absolutely love. The sense of greatness is the groundwork of morals. I'll say that again. The sense of greatness is the groundwork of morals. We need to have a vision, a vision of where we're headed, a vision of what the principles will give us, a purpose higher than ourselves, a purpose higher than how we're going to look or how we're going to look to other people or, you know, what, what, whatever it is that's driving us, it has to be bigger and higher than our own personal immediate gratification or just a quick fix to the problem, or we're not going to learn the principles and embrace them. This is uh, from Proverbs, which I love. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. And that really sums up this, um, these kind of insights that I had with my children in, in this discussion, we called it the mission driven mom to help mothers to have purpose higher than just changing diapers and giving bottles, because those are wonderful things to do. They're, they're critical things to do. But if we want our children to be mission driven, to have a positive impact in the world, then we need to be on that journey with them. And we need to build principle centered homes and find higher purposes to solve real problems in the world with those principles. And that vision of what will become and what our family will become can motivate us. And that's why the Academy is working because these women have accountability partners and they have a sense of community and they have the principles right in front of them and they're learning the truth around them and they're ready to make those changes for this higher purpose of self-discovery and accomplishment and community 
and, and eventually impact in their communities. So we finish up this discussion with my children and my, my daughter sits there pretty um, lost in thought for several minutes. And finally, I, I sat next to her and I said, you know, what are, what are you thinking? What's, what's going on? And she said, she said, well, if that's true, that principles kind of stink and they're hard to live and you can't live them through sheer willpower. And if it's true that you need a vision higher than just the principles in order to motivate yourself to live them long-term, then what is my why? What's my purpose for living these health principles? And I just smiled at her and said, that's the perfect question to ask. That's exactly what you should be asking yourself. And you and God together will find that purpose. And when you have that bigger vision, how living health principles can be bigger than just you, whatever that why turns out to be. I saw a beautiful video years ago of a mother who was very overweight and, and, and noticed that and recognized she was setting the wrong example for her daughters of what womanhood was and, and her desire to show her daughter healthy womanhood was her bigger why for living and embracing health principles. So, uh, my daughter's pondering that, and I know that she'll find an answer soon. And that's something that you can ponder. If there's an area of your life that seems out of balance and you want to, to put it in order, you need to, um, discover those principles and then find a why find a bigger purpose, find your vision that will help you to embrace those principles with your whole heart and do them long-term. Because again, as Proverbs says, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Thanks so much for joining me today. If you don't have your free copy of The Mission Driven Life, please head over to themissiondrivenmom.com for your free um, ebook. And I will see you next time.